Welcome to the Realities of College Recruiting Podcast, where our team of former college coaches, players, and MLB scouts tackle the most critical college recruiting topics. With guests including college coaches, MLB pro scouts, and industry insiders, we will empower you with the tips and strategies needed to gain an advantage in your college recruiting process. The Sports Force Podcast is powered by our partner, Five Tool Baseball. Okay, let's start the show. All right, we are live for the uh, college baseball interview with uh, Mike Rooney. Um, we're going to go ahead and uh, get this started. I was just talking with uh, with Runes, as he's known by. He probably has many other nicknames. Um, this is, uh, for those of you that are joining, uh, this is Andrew Beinbrink, uh, CEO of SportsForce. And uh, we got a great guest on for tonight, and we're going to really get into uh, – Division One baseball at the NCAA level, and uh, and what that's all about. So um, let me go ahead and invite Mike, so uh, I can get him up and running, um, and I will uh, make sure he's uh, his audio is going to be good as well. So we're good to go, and all right, cool. So. Um, just a little bit of kind of, uh, announcements, uh, we are going to field some questions as well. So if you do have questions, you can feel free to DM them, uh, to us at the sports force account. Um, myself and staff will be checking, uh, the DMS. So, and then I got a lineup of, of some really good questions as well, um, for, uh, for runes and, um, you know, it's an exciting time because we're hours away from the start of the Division One college baseball season. Uh, some of the other levels have already started with games, you know, Division II. Uh, I know a lot of JUCO games, NAIA games going on already. But, um, you know, the Division One baseball uh, season here is kicking off uh, this weekend. So, um, and we're going to talk about a few of the t- main topics that we're going to talk about is you know, what is the state of Division One baseball right now? Um, what's changed um, just recently? You know, COVID, non-COVID changes, um, how the MLB draft is affecting Division One baseball. And then we're going to go into how recruiting um, is changing in the, rec- in the Division One baseball level. And then we're going to jump into also um, transfer portal. We're going to talk a little bit about the NIL rules. Um, as well, so uh, we got uh, we got a lot to talk about. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be awesome. So let me um, let me make sure that uh, let me see. Hmm. All right. I'm gonna try this again. Hold on. Maybe that'll work. Okay, so I am re-inviting uh, Mike to join us, and um, cool, there we go. Runes, you there? What's up, Andrew? All right, this is your first Twitter space. It's a whole new world, Let's right? Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. I'm going to take two strikes and just kind of get comfortable in the AB right now. It's love no it. No doubt. Let's have it go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you at ASU. Uh, you know, getting us getting us all fired up before before an, right. before an inning, right? Uh, Let's go. You gotta take take your three swings and hope for the best. No doubt, no doubt. 
Well, obviously, we go a ways back um, from ASU days when uh, when Murph brought you in as an assistant coach. Um, and, man, you've been just continuing to stay in the game um, and it, as you've continued to just evolve, you know, in your role in baseball. Um, I'm just curious, you know, when when did you know that baseball was going to be a huge part of your life? How young was it when you were like, you know what? This is a game that I'm just I'm in it. Yeah, I would say I, I I don't know. I guess like a lot of things in life, I never really thought about it per se. You know, I just my dad loves sports and I love sports. My dad was a high school coach, it actually track and field and cross country for a long time mm. until he had us and then he got a real job. So, you know, like I I Irish Catholic family, I'm the oldest boy, like my dad went to Notre Dame. That's where I was going to college. Like we yep. joked that that was the best decision I never made. Right? Like I was going there. <laughs> totally. And um, and you know it was Murph's second year, and I had played high school baseball and Legion ball and done okay. And so I figured, what the heck, I'll try out for the team. Not you know having being a hundred percent certain that I was not making the team. Mm. I you may have heard me tell the story, Andrew, but I. <laughs> Like Notre Dame has a really cool thing. They have full contact inner hall football. And so okay. I was going to the Notre Dame baseball tryout in the afternoons and then um, going to my, my dorm, my inner hall football practice at night. Cause I, you know, like I didn't want to miss inner hall football after I got cut from baseball. But got it. Murph never cut me. You know, it's like four years later, you know, I had, I had been on the team and Craig Council was my teammate and two other guys that played in the big leagues. And, you know, we were one game from Omaha my senior year. And so it's just an incredible experience. And, you know, it's like I started to try and be an adult and get real jobs. I was an accounting major and did that for 10 working days and, you know, hated yep. it. And so, yeah, it's just <laughs> like, it's just weird. You know, it's, it, it's, um, I've always loved it. And, you know, it's not to be corny, but it is like you just you pinch yourself when you get to work in the game. It's just such a privilege. And it's uh, yeah, it's awesome. It feels like this kind of beautiful accident, if you will. Absolutely. Well, um, you definitely have a passion for it. And we're going to we're going to talk more about that. But for any of you that are just joining us, um, we got Mike Rooney on with us, uh, just kind of baseball industry expert, uh, former Division One college coach. Uh, currently um, a baseball analyst for ESPN's college baseball coverage, and he gets to see some of the best players and teams in the country uh, and evaluate and, you know, announce those games, as well as works with Division I uh, Baseball.com, D1Baseball.com, doing their podcast, as well as uh, writing feature articles for them. And then finally... Um, just about to launch a new uh, show with Sirius XM this week in college baseball. Um, so for satellite radio. Um, so why don't you, why don't you just give us a quick rundown on um, first, this new show uh, on Sirius, and then we're going to start talking about college recruiting, talking about the transfer portal NIL stuff, and just getting into some of the, some of the meat and potatoes of, of where college baseball is at. Cause it's changed even, even in the last two years, man, it's changed a lot. <laughs> yeah, no question. Yeah. So really pumped up. So, um, uh, there's been a show on Sirius XM for college baseball sponsored by perfect game for a couple of years. I got to participate with that with Darren Sutton for a while. And then, you know, one of the things that, that is a, a real, you know, kudo to our sport is that Sirius XM 
um, they've been getting a lot of demand for more college baseball content. And so they decided mm-hmm. to bring the show in-house. And, you know, Mike Farron is a big league announcer. He's been with the D-backs. He hosts Power Alley on the MLB Sirius Network. And so, um, you know, the folks at Sirius M decided that they wanted to do a college baseball show on a weekly basis. And, you know, they they asked, um, you know, they, I, I was offered the opportunity to be part of it. And, you know, Mike Farron's great, like huge passion for all baseball, but college baseball also. And, and um, yeah, it's going to be awesome. I just, you know, it's like, I, I think our sport deserves to be on a, a, you know, on a medium like Sirius XM. I think we've, we've earned that and really thrilled to be able to uh, bring, you know, bring more of our sport to that audience. No doubt. Well, you know, I was just had a, I had a vision and I was like, when does, when does college baseball uh, take it to the next level? It's like when, they do an ESPN game day, right? And um, yes, you and someone's dressed up as a mascot on the, uh, <laughs> on, <laughs> you know, you know, on the on the set, right? And um, you know, Rob Bruno was say, said something on a Twitter comment. You know, he calls you the Dick Vitale of college baseball. <laughs> I thought he was going to say Lee Corso, but I would take either. <laughs> believe me, no doubt, no doubt. Um, well, yeah, you've been an ambassador, you know, for the game. Um, whether you, uh, whether you know it or, or not, I think you, you really serve that role, uh, well with a lot of humility, um, and with a lot of, uh, just passion and, uh, and, and, and uh, energy, which enthusiasm, like you say in your Twitter, in your Twitter profile. <laughs> um, so let's get into kind of where, where do you think college baseball has changed, you know, the most, um, just in the last, like two years and I'm not talking about COVID. So regardless of COVID, I'm just curious, division one baseball, what do you think has changed most, um, most significantly just in the last two to three years? Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess you would say that, um, you know, I, I, I think the pandemic has created some, you know, like there's been some decisions made, you know, the, that the pandemic kind of, were, was the catalyst or maybe the thing that got people to make the decision. So, you know, I, I think you, it's really almost impossible to talk about college sports right now without talking about the new NCA constitution, without talking about NIL and those types of things. And so, you know, I, I think all of those things are going to be imperfect, but my hope is that for baseball, there are some real positives there, um, especially since we're, you know, an emerging growing sport. I think, um, you know, one of the positives, this is, this is something that, that is a negative. So, you know, like I want to say it with the most respect possible, but it's, it, you know, it is a positive for, for college baseball is that MLB has made some really significant decisions that, hey, we've got this incredible feeder system in college baseball that is fully funded by not us, us being MLB. Why are we signing all these high school players? and competing against this free, really awesome feeder system. And, yep. you know, that, that is not me by any saying that, hey, high, high school kids shouldn't sign, you know, sure. right away. But I will say, you know, the three years prior to the pandemic, we were averaging 140 high school players a year signing pro contracts. And I'm just hard-pressed to believe there are 140 18-year-olds in America that are ready for the rigors of minor league baseball. I mean, I think – that number, my personal opinion is that number should be closer to 25 or 30. But 
sure. you know, MLB, I, I think, kind of feels the same way. Because if you look, the pandemic was 65 kids. And, you know, that was just a 2020 was a weird year. But even last year was 90, you know. And so that's another 50 kids that will get to season themselves in college baseball before going into pro ball. So, I, I, you know, I think there's it's, it's a weird time in that there's so many changes happening. You know, it's like usually there's one or two or three changes that you can sink your teeth into. I think there's, gosh, it feels like there's 10 major, you know, shifts going on at the same time. But that said, I, you know, I, I think we, we have a really good product in college baseball. There's a lot of good that comes out of our sport. Not perfect, but nothing is. And, and I think when you're in that position, you know, mostly good things are ha- going to happen because it, it, is a, it is a good thing. Absolutely. And I think what's even clearer and more evident than ever before is that players that are elite college players are getting into professional baseball and spending a very small amount of time at the minor league level because how polished they are and how much they've seen. If they're a hitter, how many guys they've seen that are throwing, you know, 90 to 95 um, and the bats are, you know, tougher to hit with nowadays than they were in the past. Um, And then, you know, the pitchers are just stronger, more polished, um, better understanding of like pitch design and other things as well. Um, so, I mean, anytime you're going to like a big conference series and you're seeing some of the best, you know, pitchers come out Friday, Saturday night. I mean, some of those guys could literally take a week off and go throw for a big league team and, and, and probably compete pretty, pretty well at a lot of those, uh, you know, from a lot of the colleges that you're seeing. No doubt. And I, I think, Andrew, like one of the cool things is that one of the downsides to Major League Baseball downsizing their player development yep. entity, the minor leagues, is, hey, there's a lot of really good baseball people that get um, displaced there. And sure. one of the things I'm excited about is that college baseball is becoming a home for a lot of those guys, even summer college baseball. And so, you know, that, that's, that's awesome. But, I, you know, I see John McCormick. Uh, of Florida Atlantic on this call and you know like one of the best coaches we have in college baseball one of the like like if I don't have a child but if I had a son like I want my son Mm. around a John McCormick for three years in these very formative years and I think that's an that's one just advantage college baseball has always had all the things you said Andrew are spot on like the competition level just keeps getting better but college baseball has been on the cutting edge of training these baseball players but you know we we've the, the, all the analytics and the, you know, the, the pitch design and the, you know, velocity growth and all that stuff. We've been on the cutting edge of that. And I think this is the core principle, you know, age 19 to 21, I don't want my son bouncing from coach to coach to coach every single year. You know, like, I don't care how good those coaches are like you, you know, the relationship matters, building trust matters. And that takes time. Whereas in college, we get three years or two years with these kids where you can really just settle them down and, yep. and, and like, hey, let's just let's build a relationship. Let's, let's, let's um, you know, collaborate on this. Whereas I, I think that's always been a big disadvantage for pro ball is that they just, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll share this, Andrew, in my day job. You know, yep. it's, it's medical sales. And one of the complaints that happens in medical sales when somebody fails, it's just like sports, not everybody wins. And they, they might say that, hey, well, one of the things that hurt my career was I had a different manager every year for four years. Mm. And you're like, it's hard to do. That makes sense, right? Like, you don't want to make excuses for people, but that's hard. Whereas 
in pro ball, that's not hard. That's the reality is that, you know, I mean, I'm preaching in the choir now, but um, yeah. So very interesting. Absolutely. No, it's a good, good point. I'm going to just reset kind of for people that are just joining. Um, We got Mike Rooney, uh, ESPN baseball analyst, uh, D1baseball.com podcast writer, as well as uh, new Sirius radio um, this week in college baseball. So we're just breaking down some things of the state of college baseball at the division one level. And um, next I want to go into, cause you brought up a good point and you know, coach McCormick Mac is, uh, is a legend um, the best. and just, you know, one of the, one of the straightest shooters in the game, um, making that decision on what school to go to um, college baseball has now become um, at the division one level. It's, it's become where these players are going on these recruiting trips. They're doing photo shoots they're getting kind of wined and dined, uh, you know, not literally, but you get the idea uh, in terms of that bigger school experience. Um, and this that used to not happen in college baseball. Um, you know, the kind of that, that locker room treatment, getting you, on, getting you in a jersey, doing the photo shoot. That was more football, basketball type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what we see is an organization who's – kind of in the trenches in the college recruiting process is, and I want you to speak to this is it's not easy to decide between some of these schools that, you know, have an abundance of resources, um, you know, at their fingertips and you're comparing maybe, you know, powerhouse power five schools versus other power five schools. Um, I'm curious what advice you know, you would give to players or parents that are that are listening because you see a, a ton of college baseball as well and also know from a former college coach's perspective, too. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. I, w- I think what you said a second ago, Andrew, is, is so spot on. It's, you know, I, what I'm going to say is probably going to be borderline preachy. And I, I guess I'll apologize in advance. And uh, but I want to I want to be clear that this is not easy. Right. And and I'm I'm one of those dinosaurs that I do believe this is a 40 year decision. I, I really believe that where you go to college can impact the rest of your life, the people you're going to meet. You know, you may meet your spouse in college, the you know, the network that you begin to build. So, you know, all those things, it, it really boils down to the right fit. And that's one of the things I'm most discouraged about in college baseball right now. But I think it will change fairly quickly. But you know, us recruiting eighth graders and ninth graders. And there's no way that those people can know what the right fit for their college experience is going to be. And, and I, I think what's happening, Andrew, and this is, this is human nature, but we have a lot of people making decisions, not for them, but for what other people will think of their decision. You know, mm-hmm. it's, I just heard a story recently of a kid that committed from a really good program that's not a power five and he didn't decommit because he was unhappy with his, with his decision. He decommitted because he has some travel ball teammates that had committed to some power five programs, which by the way, are not as successful as the non power five that he committed to. Mm. And he just, he couldn't get over it. He couldn't get over that his peers, yeah. you know, so, so it's like, again, now we're not making decisions for our life. We're making decisions for, you know, for show, if you will. And so sure. I think I think it's fit, you know, and I think this is where parents really have to be strong and disciplined. And, you know, I, I, I maybe this is fair or unfair, but I think a lot of the onus is on the parents that, 
if you feel yourself getting caught up in the, um, you know, it's more important what school I say at the cocktail party than what I'm thinking about, you know, my kid's future. And, and I get it. Like, hey, all those those big time programs that they, they, they for the right person, they are. It's an unbelievable experience. What's what's um, you know, I'll pick on Arkansas right now because they're the number one program in the country last year. Right. Like sure. what's not to like about going to Arkansas? They, they check every box, but the box that they can't check for everyone is only nine guys can get on the field. Yep. And that's hard, you know, for kids that have been the best player their whole life, that's hard to, to, to not play. And so, yeah, it's, it's tricky. It's, it's not an easy decision. I think it gets infinitely more complicated when you try to make a decision like that with, for a 14 or 15 year old, um, uh, you know, it, it's but I, I think it's all about fit. It's all about, um, you know, where is your son going to be happy? What are the things that are important to him? But it's got to be about the family and the kid, not about what other people will think about the decision. If you're worried about what what if you're worried about the appearance of the decision, you are you are going down the wrong road um, at a high rate of speed. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's not easy to stay objective and mm-hmm. grounded in in this process because you know it is emotional, um, and sometimes with the college recruiting process, the way that it is currently is it feels like the the time uh, the time clock is ticking. Right, mm-hmm. um, coaches are going to set deadlines on when a player you know when when they want the when the offer is going to expire. There's just a there, there, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, and I think another, another thing that, you know, and, right and Andrew, not to interrupt you though, yeah. those are, those are fake deadlines though. If we're being honest, right? Like I get it. If a coach says that, Hey, I need to know in two weeks, whether you're in or you're out. I mean, it's kind of a fake deadline, right? Because you could say yes, but it's just a verbal commitment. And we know that in college baseball, those verbal commitments are broken every day. Um, not by everyone. But, sure. you know, and, and you could make an argument that, hey, if, if, if I commit your son at age 14 and then two and a half years from now, I look at him and say, you know what? There's no way he can play in our program. There's no sure. way. Sure. So am I doing your son a favor by pretending that I don't believe that way? No. Like, like if I already am convinced he can't play here, then I, you could argue I'm, I'm doing the right thing by sure. cutting that, that kid loose. But, you know, like you talk about, you know, you talk to any family, Andrew, I know you live this, right? Like yep. the families will tell you the recruiting process is grueling. It is one of the emo- most emotional, difficult experiences of your life. Well, you think about doing it twice then. Do it yep. when you're 14 years old and then do it with that same kid when he's 17 years old because you picked the wrong school or, you know, so anyway, it's sorry to ramble there, but it's, it's, um, yeah, these, these, these kind of fake deadlines. Hey, at the end of the day, the only thing that you can control is continuing to progress as a student and an athlete. And there will always be a spot for great student athletes. I'm, I'm convinced of that. Doesn't mean that you should wait until, you know, yeah. high school graduation. I'm not saying that I'm not there. You know, it's, it's also never too soon to be thinking about this decision, but sure. to, to feel like you, you're, you're getting pressured in a decision. I, I, I don't think that that's the right decision often. Yeah, and, and I think the deadline scenario is different schools use it in different ways. So it's it has to be um, evaluated. Uh, certain schools that recruit later, uh, you know, the deadline often can be 
like a, a real deadline. Like, hey, yeah. we're recruiting later and, you know, we, we, we have one offer for, you know, three, yeah. pl- three players that we like. And um, yeah, if it's the summer before your senior year, hey, if it's the summer before your junior year, like that, that's a, yep. like, I think, I think I'm glad you, you've, you, you rephrased that because, you know, if a coach says, hey, we're looking at three shot, shortstops and you're one of them, that's a real thing, right? They're, they're yep. going to pick one of those players. I, I think that that is real, but it's, you know, it's, it's when you're, uh, you know, a 2026 graduate or, you know, sure. if you're a freshman in high school, it's like, sure, sure. You, yeah. know, you know, you know what I'm saying? That, that, that gets to be a little bit crazy. Absolutely. And I think another like myth to dispel is that, um, you know, over recruiting doesn't happen at every division one school. Uh, there are a, a large number of schools that just, are not allowed, you know, to bring in large numbers. Uh, their administration doesn't support it. Um, it's not going to be that coach's philosophy and style. Um, so I think as, as players, parents, coaches that are in this process, um, you know, be careful of going, oh, you know, the Division I um, recruiting process, you know, is going to just be where everybody's over-recruiting, and that, that's not the case. Um, yeah. and when, when we say over recruiting, I think, you know, sometimes we got to talk about this cause this is a huge topic and there's no doubt that there is some, um, th- there is a bit of a dark cloud, um, on that because every year we know that players in December of sometimes their freshman year are not going to be, you know, recommended to stay at that program and are going to have to either, you know, go, you know, and, and bounce back to a school, look at the portal and just, you know, have a different approach, you know, to, uh, to what's next. Um, but some of the college, some of the college coaches are now getting to the point where they're saying, Hey, we bring in a good, a good amount of numbers in the fall. And this is, this is our process. So don't be surprised if you get here, you know, in August, September, and there's 50 players. Yeah. Um, and and then, Andrew, of- I would say I, you're spot on there. And I would say, you know, that part is tricky because, you know, hey, it, like we're talking about Division One baseball when we use phrases like over recruiting and it's competitive, right? Like, I, you yeah. know, like that's that's the creme de la creme. And so, um, you know, if 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 I think if I'm a player and I think I'm going to any of those Division One schools and if if I'm not improving as a player, that it's just going to be OK and everything's guaranteed. I mean, that's not real life. But I also think that what, here's here's what's really important in this is to me having the humility to ask people that have been down these roads before for their honest opinion. So if I'm, if I'm committing to a big time program, asking some good people that don't, you know, that, that, that have been through this before that, you know, maybe it's not my travel ball coach or something like that, that, Hey, what do you think? Do do you think we fit there? Do you think, and, and Hey, that you could have three people say, no, you don't, that would be over (laughs) your skis. And you could still make that decision, but you went in there knowingly. So I think that's part one. I think the other part, Andrew, and I know you, you probably spent a lot of time on this with, with you know, the, the families you work with, is that, hey, the most important thing is treat everybody awesome. You know, the, the transfer yep. portal is, a, is an interesting entity. But one thing that I like about it is if a, if a kid goes to a place and it ends up not being the right fit, there is, you know better access to a, a new opportunity. You know, the portal's not perfect and there are issues and, and all that. But I think 
there's a potential that there's there's good that comes out of it. But again, I, I think it's about having people around you that will challenge your thinking. I mm-hmm. think that that is important in all walks of life. You, this is a major decision to make a major decision um, without that type of guidance and counsel, I think is foolish and dangerous. Yep. And then I also think just treating everybody, you know, if, if you're going to big league people in, a, in the recruiting process, man, that, that can really do long-term harm. No doubt about it. Um, and it's a good point. Like what you brought up, like we had to internally evaluate because we got a staff of a number of former college coaches, MLB scouts, and, and um, that advise, you know, families in this recruiting process. And we had to go back to the drawing board a couple of years ago and, okay, what are actually the different levels of college baseball? And it's not as simple as saying division one, division two, II, division three, mm-hmm. NAI and junior college. Cause you see a lot of college baseball and you know that the, the top teams in the country, the top 20, 25 teams like perennially that are just bringing that talent. There's a big difference between that level of college baseball. And then the bottom half of college baseball, like 150 to 300, like it's just, it's, it's on a different, um, you know, the depth of pitching that they have, the type of frontline hitters that they have, you know, middle of the order impact bats. Um, So we broke down college baseball into 10 different levels. So when yeah. you're thinking about Arkansas, Mississippi State, um, Vanderbilt, TCU, some of those big ones, hopefully ASU uh, this year. <laughs> hmm. uh, but you, you get the idea, like a right-handed pitcher coming out of high school at those top elite school, you know, those top elite schools is typically going to be low to mid 90s with plus secondary stuff and very high projectability. Um, now, that's not the same case, you know, for the same right-handed pitcher or, or a right-handed pitcher in the same class that's looking to go and pitch at Harvard or Princeton, you know, or Niagara or, you know, San Jose State. Or I can name, you know, name a bunch of schools, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I think going back to your point around getting an honest evaluation as a player or a parent, um, if you have a son or you're a coach, understanding what is realistic um where are you right now in the in the process relative your to your skill level your athleticism your projectability and academically that's what you know constitutes kind of a a a realistic um i guess third party objective evaluation i mean it's what we have it's what we have to do all the time and it's not easy the way we try to frame it you know just you know, because you've had these conversations too, runes. You know, with different players and parents um, in your in your career, is here's where you are right now, and if you're looking at these type of schools, and you can you know rip off a bunch of names of of high level schools, this is where you're going to need to be to get their attention, and just providing clarity around the gap. Um, you know, in terms of the dream school versus the, you know, reach versus the realistic school. Yeah. And I would say, Andrew, the, um, you know, the thing about honest evaluations is they're inevitable. Like you're going to get one at some point. Uh, you just don't want it to be in your coach's office in December of your freshman year when you, you know, you already had, you know, moving now to college is not the easiest transition in the world. So those honest evaluations are, 
um, they're coming. So I, I just, you, you know, you encourage everyone to be proactive with it. You know, don't be afraid. And hey, like we said, like you might decide, hey, that, you know, going to university of wherever is my dream. And it's, it's my academic, social, you know, yeah. and, and baseball dream. And so I'm willing to take the chance that maybe I can't play there. And, and you, you know, I love what you said about the 10 different levels. It's the, on Sundays during the off season, I was doing those fourth coach conversations, which were really fun talking to the volunteer coaches around the country. And one of the questions we asked, and these are division one volunteer coaches, we asked them, you know, hey, name a program that you've competed against that really sticks out. Like when you're a head coach someday, you want to be some of the things you saw them do. You want to bring that with you. And University of Tampa got named twice in the, mm. on those calls. It's a wow. division two, right? Like, yep. But they're a power. And so sure. um, and, and I think the other thing I wanted to mention and, and you know, one of the questions I get asked a lot is, hey, what, what do you like? What are some of the things you love about college baseball? You know, what's one of the things I love is that like you can be a great player anywhere. I mean, think about Chris Bryant played at University of San Diego in the WCC. Paul yep. Goldschmidt played at Texas State in God knows what conference at that time. I don't know. What was it Southland or Sunbelt or who knows, <laughs> um, you know, the Sunland or something, you know, I'm 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 teasing but yep. you know obviously texas state is a is a very good program i mean you know uh jared washburn you know um uh his son jack is a really good pitcher at Ole miss now well jared i think was like a division three pitcher in in wisconsin and so yeah it's it's like and i could go i could go you know all over the place with with those types of names of guys that played at you know the non-blue blood schools because you know part of being a great player if your dreams to be a big leaguer, you got to get on the field and get those reps. And so, um, yeah, it doesn't mean any one school is a better decision than another. But I, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't, I think it's erroneous to assume that I have to go to the biggest school I can get my hands on to become a big leaguer. That that's just been proven false over and over again. Hundred percent. Yeah, the the scouts um, will find if you're playing college baseball if you're getting reps whether it's at any level um and you're showing you know the attributes of being uh, a potential professional level player and now with all the metrics and advanced analytics um it's not as difficult for them uh, to be able to get the the signal you know that um you have what it takes to consider uh, doesn't mean you're going to get drafted might you know you might need to be a free agent you might need to go the independent ball route but um, to your point, uh, just being able to get experience and, uh, and, and development is huge. Um, <clears throat> shift, shifting gears a little bit, um, I want to get your take on name, image, and likeness, you know, referred to as NIL. What are you hearing, seeing, uh, getting rumors about on how that's impacting uh, college baseball and, um, and, and players? Yeah, I would say what, what I've heard – you know, the, the Austin case has probably had a bigger impact on college baseball um, than the NIL. But, it, but you know, like both things are, le- you know, less than a year old, basically, if I'm doing the math right. So, yep. you know, the Austin case, you know, I had heard a rumor that um, – and th- this is baseball is a beneficiary of this. But like a school like Ole Miss, you know, every student athlete got a check for just about $6,000 because the Austin case – and, um, you know, like that's a lot of that's a lot of do re mi. I mean, that, that's like a, that's that's taking your 11.7 up. Now, not every school can write checks like that to every student athlete in their, you know, um, in their domain. So, I, I, I mean, I think where 
I, I just think 11.7 is Ex- such a... Do me a favor. Explain the Alston uh, situation because um, I am familiar with it, but I would yeah. g- guess 90% of the listeners don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, so so this is going to be a very, very layman's explanation yeah, of it. I, sure. could, I could botch it. But as I understand the Alston case, it basically said that, or I think it's a Supreme Court case that said that it, it's kind of unconstitutional for the NCAA to decide what some of these educational expenses are and are not. So it's basically saying that, you know, the, there's, there's more things that you can help a student athlete accommodate, uh, you can accommodate them with financially, you know, maybe, per, you know, a, a laptop or whatever it is. It's, it's, it's a wider, whereas, you know, 10 years ago, the NCAA's rules were so specific on what you can and cannot provide. My interpretation of the Austin case is that it, it's, they they kind of said well, that that's not that's that's not your purview like that that's not a decision that a, a body like the NCA should be should be making so anyway that's a that's kind of a butcher's job of what it sure. is but what it did is it kind of opened a lane for schools to say hey like part of the educational experience of our student athletes we should be able to uh, uh, you know compensate them more uh, you know more in greater in, in greater degree if you will and so that's where the you know, the old Miss is able to, and, and, and any school, I believe, could make a choice like that where you can, yep. you can um, up the, what you're able to provide to those student athletes. So, you know, like that's one part of it is that that just opens a lane for schools to say, hey, we want to provide more for our student athletes. I think that's the bottom line is what you can provide for a student athlete is way less restricted because of the Austin case. The NIL is just like, you know, like that, that's a whole different world, right? Like you're talking yeah. about actually paying kids where in some cases they're going to pay taxes on these things, you know, sure. on this, these funds. And I, you know, where my brain goes, I, I just think college baseball is stuck at 11.7 scholarships, which is just really low for a 35 man roster. And I think the likelihood of a governing body like the NCA saying, Hey, let's do more than 11.7 scholarships is really unlikely. But NIL could change that, you know, like, um, you know, if, if, what if I'm a college coach out there and I've got 11.7 scholarships and I can fundraise a hundred grand a year, I mean, you know, I don't know, that's another probably two to three scholarships right there. You know, what what if I could fundraise more? And and I, I think that that's where the, now again, it can't be a recruiting inducement. I don't know. Maybe this is probably not. (laughs) <laughs> you know, not legal, but I'm not coaching. So I guess I can say it. But what if uh-huh. I could what if I could have scholarship dollars go to the incoming players? And then, you know, some of my families, if they can, if I can, we can help them develop a, a really good NIL, NIL situation, then there's an opportunity for them to turn in some scholarship to some of the incoming families, because they're doing better through NIL than they were doing through the scholarship. So, you know, that all gets really hazy. Because we, we don't know how to regulate, legislate, you know, this NIL thing. But I think at the end of the day, it's more funds for baseball families. And we have to figure out a way where that's a positive because we, we need that, right? Like we have, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm picking on Arkansas again because it's a program I think so highly of. And they are just on fire for college baseball. But think about it. Arkansas, their average baseball player is on 33%, which yeah. means they're paying 
two-thirds of their college education, right? Like, think about the student loans that the Arkansas baseball players are taking out. Meanwhile, they work out in a $27 million player development center. That's not their baseball stadium. That's their player dev center. So wow. it's like, yeah. you're like I, I don't, like, that's so weird, right? Like, I, sure. like, the families are taking out student loans, but they're working out in Caesar's Palace. Like, what? <laughs> it doesn't, those wires <laughs> are not connecting for me. So anyway... Um, it is what it is, but I think ultimately NIL is an op- Hey, college baseball coaches, Andrew, have always been incredible magicians. Like we've had yep. to do more with less, you know, for eternity. So I'm confident that our coaches will figure out how to turn this into a net positive, but it is pretty wild right now. No doubt. No doubt. And yeah, it's, uh, expanding the possibilities of, uh, of, of what are the options um, when student athletes are going off to school and, and, and how families are evaluated. I think the other big thing is now, you know, programs are able to stack academic and athletic money. That used to be a, a huge limitation. So I think that's something that's new in the last couple of years that's come forward um, so that, uh, you know, bigger, better packages can be put. So for those that don't know, typical Division I um, program, well, if they're fully funded, has 11.7 scholarships uh, to divide amongst the team. And then they have uh, a certain number that they can count toward. So um, right now it's still at 40, ros- you know, a 40-man roster, but it's likely going to move back to a 35-man roster. Um, and usually it's 35 and 27, meaning you can have up to 27 athletes on some sort of scholarship um, out of that 35. Um, but, uh, we'll see. And I think, uh, some that a lot of people don't know or don't talk about or not aware of is that, um, there is a good amount of schools that do not have the full 11.7 as well. So, mm-hmm. um, and that, uh, you know, that can be a challenge in the, in the recruiting process. Uh, so just kind of laying down some education here, uh, tonight, this is the, the world that, um, you know, we live in as an organization. This is the world uh, Mike Rooney has lived in for for a very long time as well. Um, all right, I want to I want to move on to. There was a question um, that um, that came from the audience. What series are you looking for forward to most, based on we'll say the current um, and and let's do this. I'll, I'll I'll give you a little bit of a. Um, I want you to pick three series that you're most excited about um and one on the west coast so we get some west coast you know love actually they can be they can be anywhere because i know some west coast teams are playing in different uh in different locations but are there any three series that you just like either a you love to watch and go to and and announce or that you're just kind of really excited for this year Gosh, so uh, do you want me to just kind of stick yeah. with opening weekend, like sure. some of the things for this weekend? Yeah, sure. So like the big headliner is um, Oklahoma State, who's, you know, Josh Holiday's yep. in his um, 10th season. They've made a regional every year he's been there. Um, three super regionals. He's got a really good – Oklahoma State's really good this year. And they're going to play Vandy, you know, who has, you know, become a superpower in college baseball. Uh, the, the only downside is I just heard that – the high is going to be like 45 degrees. Mm. So that, that's a bummer. But that's two really good teams. Like those are two out Omaha caliber teams. Um, another series this weekend that is really interesting to me that I would love to be at is Long Beach State is going to Mississippi State. Oh, and wow. 
And again, <laughs> like we talked about Andrew, like yeah, like I've I've talked to him blue in the face. Like the Big West is just such an awesome baseball conference, and you know it, it, it's kind of been a little tiny bit down the last couple of years, but I think it's making a big resurgence. Um, Cal Poly's got arguably the best position player in the country, and Brooks Lee, who is their coach's son, Larry Lee, the longtime yeah. skipper at Cal Poly. But anyway. Long Beach State under Eric Valenzuela, who was a former teammate of yours, right? For, oh, yeah. Yep, yeah, yep. Eval, doing yep. an awesome job at Long Beach. And they're, you know, again, these Big West schools, man, they're no football. Like, th- this is this is no frills, just ball players, yep. And they're, they're going down to Mississippi State to take on the defending national champs. And I think that is – that's a really awesome series. Um, I'm going to get to see Oregon State this weekend, which I'm really pumped about. But uh, – I, like if you want to go old school West Coast, Andrew yeah, sure. Fullerton is going to Stanford, and that's always like oh, uh, yeah. you know the Fullerton guys like to say we're going to play the smart guys, and you know sure. it's like yeah. those are two awesome programs. Yeah, the <laughs> the nerds versus the jocks, right, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the skateboarders versus the nerds. I think it's probably more likely. <laughs> well, I remember a Stanford series where they had a keg in the outfield. Uh, <laughs> behind right field and um and they were just rowdy and they were just you know hazing uh the hell out of our outfielders so um the you know the nerds were partying their you know their their tails off uh for some sunken sunken diamond baseball um all right shifting gears you know you've been to the abca you know many years um Mm -hmm. what have you seen uh in terms of or kind of share what you're seeing how technology and, you know, the advance and analytics. And I don't know if you've been to like Arkansas's player development facility or some of the pitching labs that are, you know, Georgia tech has now ASU has, I'm, I'm just want you to kind of weigh in on, you know, just the advanced um, technologies that now college baseball is benefiting from. Yeah. I mean, I just think it's, I'm not, yeah, I, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of bummed that I didn't get to coach in this era because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious to know what kind of coach I would have been in this era. Like, I think, um, you know, like, I, I, here's the bottom line, Andrew, is like today's player and especially today's college baseball player, you have so much information. You know, like yep. you, you can watch every swing you take, practice and game. You can watch every bullpen you throw. You know, there, there's pitch design. There's, you know, exit velocity. I mean, everything is measured. And that's like, that's, that's incredible, right? But I still think one of the greatest lessons that I learned as a college baseball player is I had to figure out what is the best version of me. And I think Mm. all of that technology can help you get there. But I also think it can help you not get there, right? Like, you remember when we had Bob Welch, the great Bob Welch, the late Bob Welch, you know, won 27 games in a big league season. Cy Young Award winner, one of the, you know, the neatest people we've ever been around. Never forget him coming. He was our volunteer at ASU in 20, 2003. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he used to give the players a really hard time. You know, a, a player would say, you know, very proudly, oh, I'm going to watch some video. And, and um, you know, Welchie would say, hey, like, uh, if, if you just want to go in there and beat yourself up, you could stay out here and I'll, 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 I'll kind of, you know, throw some verbal jabs at you. And, and you know, yeah. Welchie's yeah. point was you guys go in there and watch video yourself and just hate on yourself. That's sure. not, that's not good. That's, yep. that's this game. You know, I was Welch's boys. This game will do plenty of that for you. Like you, 
you don't need to self negative, you know, beat yourself down. Like the, the, the game is got that covered. And so, yeah, I think, I think that's, there, there's just so much great technology, but it's not a silver bullet per se. You sure. know, it, it's just more information that can be helpful, but also, you know, we all know in baseball, like sometimes turning our brains off is the answer. So yeah, I, I think it's, um, it's really tricky because I still, in my gut, I believe that one of the gifts that college baseball gives every player is that it will help you figure out what what does the best version of you look like? Um, what, what are the habits that create that? What are the thought processes that create that? And that's a gift that keeps on giving, right? Like that's something that you can take into any career and, yeah. and really separate yourself. A hundred percent the baseball is life or sports is the classroom, you know, for, uh, life after the game. Um, absolutely. And, um, I think that's a, that's a huge point as you think about making the college decision is you talked about it earlier. It's not a four year decision. This is a 40 year decision, um, where you, where you choose to go to school and the power of keeping, you know, the Jersey on your back. I mean, Listen, if you didn't go to those tryouts at Notre Dame as a freshman um, and just find a way out of no way to make the team, right? Like you're, you're the Rudy of, of Notre Dame baseball. <laughs> the Dick, right. You're the Dick Vitale of college baseball. You're the Rudy of Notre Dame baseball. <laughs> I don't know what other things we can kind of draw, draw on you, but. Um, I like and, it. <laughs> and, um, but um, like, man. If you didn't, you know, take that leap of faith and, and, and give it a go, um, you know, how much different would your life have been? And I, I urge a lot of players uh, and parents, like just the impact of playing the game for another four years or three years um, after high school um, is a huge deal because you build more character. You learn more about, you know, what you say is your success recipe, like what works for you? Cause that's likely going to work in other aspects of your life. And then, you know, anytime you got a Jersey on, um, as a player, you're typically building relationships. Um, and these relationships can open up, you know, more opportunities, um, for life after being on the field. And that might keep yeah. you, that might keep you in the game. If that's something that you're passionate about, because, you know, the likelihood of, you having the, uh, the, the baseball um, coaching career and media you know, career that you've had without playing at Notre Dame has got to be almost next to zero, right? Oh, no doubt. Yeah, it's like the, the, the gifts that me being, a, you know, you know it, let's be honest, Andrew, like at my four years at Notre Dame, we're checking the locker every day, right? Like we are, <laughs> we are on the brink of not being on the roster for four straight years. It was, we were way over our skis and I don't mean that to be self-deprecating. I mean, that's just the facts, right? Like I was a pinch runner and a defensive replacement and it was awesome. Like I got more out of that experience than any, than any of the three hole hitters in my four years, <laughs> but you, you mentioned the relationships and I think that, you know, everybody says it and I want to say it, you alluded to it. And I, you know, I'm sure people it make it, it feels cliche, but like here, here, let me say it this way. One of the coolest things about competing at a level like college baseball is even the people you hate become your best friends. Like one of my best friends in college baseball right now is Dave Lawn, mm -hmm. who yeah. was an assistant coach at 
Cal when you were there, yep. at USC when we were at ASU. And I remember countless times where Coach Lawn and us were screaming at each other across the field. You know, Victor Solis coached against him when he was at U of A and then when he was at Paradise Valley and Gateway Community College and one of my favorite people in the world. There's nothing I wouldn't do for Vic Solis. We hated each other in 1999, right? <laughs> like it yep. was, you, you see him on the recruiting trail and it's like you, you, you want to go let the air out of his rental car tires. But, you know, it's, but it's, that's what's so awesome about it. It's like it, the, the level of competition brings stuff out in you that is so productive and it and a lot of it is in the midst of failure, but yep. um, yeah, it, it's it's incredible. It's a huge point um, for any players, parents, coaches that are you know listening in uh, tonight. Um, on our Twitter account, we put up something um, that we did a master class highlighting like the college camp selection process, and uh, you know I I bring this up because. Runes had Runes had to work many camps back at the ASU back in the ASU days, um, and you know some camps that Runes you worked. You know there were players that ASU recruited out of those camps, um, and some of them, you know there weren't you know there weren't players. There were players at the camp where you were like, God, you know this player should be at a different camp, right? Um, mm-hmm. And for today's players, parents. Um, Choosing the right camp is is not not easy. Um, if you go to our Twitter account right now, at the top, we're doing a little uh, giveaway for a recent college uh, camp selection masterclass that we did. Uh, for anybody that retweets it, we got a, a bunch of people retweet it already. But I'm just letting you know that that's something that um, we are giving away um, if you do retweet that. And then um, if there are any players that are on the call, um, and, it, and you want to get an evaluation of your video or your stats, you can DM us directly. Uh, we evaluate hundreds of players a week right now. Um, and so, uh, you know, Runes, you've seen how much video uh, and social media have become part of the recruiting process. Um, I guess I want to get your take on how you see social media in, impacting um, recruiting as well as just college baseball in general. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I didn't get to coach in the social media era. Sure. So I'm a little bit of a disadvantage there. And, you know, I, I, I think those things are, they are, they're tools. They've made the world smaller. But I still think, you know, you know, when, when people want to make an investment in someone, you know, they, they want to, they want to talk to people that they trust. They want to, you know, I, I think here's the thing social media is for the younger player, one of the first lessons you learn is that if, you know, being a college baseball player is your dream, then you have to make different decisions than others whose dream is not that. And so, you know, your buddy might be able to have a social media account that's fairly racy and, you know, a little bit off, you know, what's the word, a little bit crass. And that's not going to be a liberty that you have if you want to play college baseball. So, you know, I, I think um, that that is what it is. It, it, you know, one of the beauties of playing sports is it's just another reason to make good decisions, right? Because there's more ramifications for not doing so. Um, but I think, you know, I, I think being active in those areas, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, it's, hey, I, I, I'm fairly certain every coach in the country, if they're recruiting a player, they're checking the social media. And, 
And one answer is just to not have social media. I think that's fine. I think that's a, that's a solid decision. But another, another decision to make is have a good social media. Like have a social media that is, um, you know, that you're promoting things that you believe in. And I, I don't know, like I think, I think if you're going to be active on social media, I think being authentic is really important. I think, um, you know, it, it, you're, you're giving the, the coaches a, a kind of a, a vision of who you are. And so don't send a fake message. Don't send a scary message. Just be authentic. You know, like I, I look at coaches' social media accounts all the time because I'm, I'm curious, like, what are they retweeting? What are the things that they're interested? In? What, what are the things that, that um, they believe in, in our sport? So I think, I think there's a way to do it the right way. I don't know that not having social media, that is one answer. It's probably a really good answer, actually. But I think, I think there's another way to do it, which is just to you know, be on social media, retweeting and promoting things that you think are, are really good ideas. But I think when it becomes a you know, look at me situation, that's scary. That would be scary to me as a coach. Well, yeah, it's, it's a fine line because uh, look at me has become much more part of, we'll call it the, uh, the, the new normal right now. And mm-hmm. I think if, if, if it's look at me as a player in a, hey, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I care about. If it's baseball, a lot of we recommend for the players that we advise in the recruiting process to use Twitter and we give clear instructions on how to use it, put together a whole guide on what to do, what not to do, that type of stuff. Because the reality is most every college coach is now on Twitter uh, mm-hmm. to keep, to keep an eye. Yes. On players. Um, but also at, from a baseball standpoint to keep an eye on what players are posting, what video or stats or stuff, but also just, yeah, to keep an eye on, you know, how players are acting outside of baseball if they're, you know, if they're willing to put stuff. And there has been a number of stories where um, players have done some things improperly, even if it was just a retweet, um, you know, that was out of, uh, out of character um, that cost them, um, you know, cost them their scholarship or uh, their, their offer, um, you know, that, and I've heard stories about that uh, as well. So the reality is most every college coach, if they're recruiting you as a player or if you're a parent on the call, um, they will Google to look and try to find, all right, what information is out there on baseball, baseball related? Is there anything non-baseball related? You know, let me get a quick and dirty background check on this player. And that's what Google you know, Google or a search engine, you know, is doing now uh, for players more, more than ever before. Um, so uh, I think just to kind of cap it on this social media um, conversation, uh, you know, college coaches are now more um, accessible uh, to be able to follow. So if you are a younger player, that's a 24, 25, 26 like you can follow a college coach and at least it gives them an, an inclination because most college coaches will look who followed them um, for, the, for you to get a cheap and easy um, look from a college coach, you know, to see, you know, who you are. I would just recommend if you're going to start following a number of college coaches is just make sure that your profile is organized and has, you know, the right bio and some, some video and some metrics that you can share um, so it's quick and easy for a coach to follow you back if they want to follow you. 
Um, so, um, anyway, that's, uh, and I'll go, we'll go deeper into social media on another Twitter space. We're going to dedicate one just talking about social media and recruiting. Um, but, um, you know, final couple questions, runes, uh, you know, as you're getting set, uh, for this college season, um, and you've had, ESPN stepped up and doing more coverage. Um, Division one baseball, D one baseball.com is doing more coverage. Now XM Sirius radio is doing, doing more coverage. Uh, and this is all T and there's more TV coverage than ever before. Like where do you see baseball college baseball at the division one level five years from now or 10 years from now in terms of um, how much more, I guess, attention and coverage it gets. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to continue to grow. I mean, I think we're going to keep attracting better and better players. I, I think I think where my brain goes on this, Andrew, is you know sometimes it's hard to control how much attention your sport gets. But I think where we want to focus our attention is, hey, how do we how do we you know be the best version of our sport? And I think where my brain goes on this is, I I, I want to I want our sport to find the balance between. Um, the schools that have resources that want to continue to invest and grow the sport that we don't restrict them. But at the same time, we don't leave schools that have really good traditions and care about our sport, leave them behind either, you know? And, and so that's a fine line, but it's, uh, you know, I I don't want to, I don't want to restrict the sec. Like I don't want, I don't want sec schools to spend $30 million on player development centers and then all their players have student loans because the rules made them spend the money that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm all for the player dev center. I mean, I think it's, I can't wait to see it, but um, you know, and, and, but I, I think about our NCA tournament, which is our, the best part of our product. Like I'm a big believer in the idea of 32 hosts. Like I would love to see our tournament be all three game series until Omaha. I think that's something that would give, all of the great programs in our country, you know, a, a, a real fighting chance to get to Omaha. And I, I love the idea of 32 schools getting to see the best version of college baseball or postseason every year. You know, I, I, I love ideas like that. I'm fairly attracted to the idea of maybe some type of fall roster limit, like 40 or 45 kids where um, we're, we're making decisions, you know, because there's so many great places to play. It just doesn't – I don't love the idea of, of a million kids being in one place in the fall and then they're kind of trying to scramble and find a home afterwards. So I think there's ways where we can grow the sport and let the schools that want to invest in the sport do it but also keep – you know, like, like kind of what the NCAA tournament is in basketball where it's a home for a lot of different programs. I, I think that's doable. I think you can do both. Um, and I think if we do that, Andrew, that – the coverage, I, I will tell you this, because uh, I do get asked this question a decent amount, like, you know, how does ESPN feel about college baseball? And I can tell you, they love it. They absolutely love it. Like, Omaha is one of the most cherished assignments at ESPN. Think about all the sports they do, pro and college. People will, they, they lobby hard to be part of the Omaha crew. Um, you know, I'd say 15 years ago, college baseball in the regular season in at ESPN was just something that they, they just kind of did. Now it's something they spend time on, you know, like emails, texts, meetings. We had a college baseball seminar in Charlotte right before the pandemic hit where they flew all the broadcasters and producers in. So, I mean, I, I think it's, um, 
I, I think, you know, of course I'm biased, but I think we have an awesome product. We have, we have an awesome product because we, we, we've got incredible people in our game. And I, you know, I'm super optimistic. If, if college baseball was a stock, I'd be buying it, you know, by the truckload. Awesome. That was, I hadn't even thought about that. 32 uh, host sites uh, for the regional. That would be insane. That would be awesome. Wouldn't it be um, awesome? Yeah. Um, and I think one other area, if, you know, right before the pandemic, the NCAA was going to rule on um, when the communication could start with student athletes. And I think one of the biggest things that we talked about earlier on the call is the early recruiting um, and what pressure that puts on um, young players and families. Um, because the concept of being showcase ready, you know, as a freshman, as a sophomore, as a junior, I mean, it's just like, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um and it's a lot in terms of just the workload on young players. It's a lot in terms of the financial expenditure that a family has to consider um, when they're traveling to different showcases and tournaments and whatnot. And I think it's a lot for college coaches to manage when you're recruiting sometimes two, three, four classes simultaneously um, to like handle that amount of work. So yep. I want to get your take on that. Like, yeah, if the, I. It, yeah, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, go I was going to say, Andrew, I was really – so I, I think we will see change in baseball soon in regards to this early recruiting. I think – this is my theory. One of the reasons we're seeing this flurry of 2026 commitments – and again, like these are the top, top eighth graders. I get it. Um, they're not that hard to pinpoint. Um, they're kind of freakish athletes, these kids, even though they're so young. But I think one of the reasons we're seeing this flurry of commitments is because schools know that – the rule, there's going to be a change in the rules and it's kind of like this, you know, a feeding frenzy, if you will. But I, I think wh- where I come down on it, Andrew, is right now the most important summer for a high school player is the summer after freshman year. And I just don't, that just doesn't feel right to me. Um, I like what softball did. You know, softball was way ahead of us on this. Like softball had gotten crazy. They were, they were committing seventh graders because, you know, girls mature faster than the, the boys. And, also, they don't have a draft to worry about. So, and softball drew a hard line in the sand, and their deal is nothing until September 1st of your junior year of high school. And I, in my personal opinion, Andrew, is that's plenty of time. That's plenty of time um, for, you know, to, to do recruiting right. And, and you're still – here's the thing, Andrew. Even when you were going through the process yep. and we were recruiting one grade at a time, we made a ton of mistakes, Sure. So, so, and we, those were 17 year olds, right? Like it's, yep. and so I, I wish, uh, you know, I've, I've heard rumors that we're not going to go to a softball model. We'll probably go to something a little bit more. Um, like I, I've heard people say the ice hockey model, which would be January 1st of sophomore year in high school. And that that's disappointing to me because I, I like the softball model better, but sure. it's, it's only, you know, whatever that is, it's only 10 months different or nine months different. So it's something, right? We, we need to do something. It's, it's, um, it's, it's just not, it's you, what you said, Andrew, you nailed it, right? It's not what's best for the families. It's nope. really hard on our coaches. It's kind of one of these systems that it doesn't serve anyone. Actually, it's just where we ended up and, and we don't know what to do about it. And so I do think the ABCA has taken a really nice leadership role in trying to help us get to a better place. Um, and I, I can't wait for it. Cause I, I just, 
every time on Twitter I see a 2025 or a 2026 do a verbal commitment, I, you know, I, it's just, I, I really struggle with that. It just, just does not feel right to me. I feel you, my man. Um, well, hey, I want to thank you for making the time for tonight. This was a uh, enthusiastic conversation, as they always are when we get together. Um, and was there anything else you wanted to share on just college baseball or um, what you're doing day to day with uh, the different uh, outlets and uh, you know media yeah. companies, or just any, any anything, fi- any final words? All uh, yeah, I would say, say this, Andrew. I I'm sure that most of the people that are on this call are, are college baseball fans, like you and I. But I, yeah. uh, you know, like. right now we don't have major league baseball to watch and I hope that changes like, you know, tomorrow, but I fear that it won't. And so I just, I encourage everybody watch college baseball. You're going to love it. It's if you love what the major league playoffs look like, where every pitch matters, that's our college baseball season for five months. It's awesome. These kids are so good. They're in a great time in their life. Our coaches are incredible people. It's so fun. Our sport is so fun. Uh, and I just encourage everyone that while we're waiting for MLB to die, to get, you know, kind of get going, dive in. I, 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 you will not be disappointed. It's a huge point. Um, and that is, you know, for understanding also what the, what the level of talent is um, at the different, you know, wherever you are in the country, you're probably near, maybe not near a division one school, but you're probably near a division two, three NAI or junior college program that you can go watch a game. Um, and, getting an idea of what baseball looks like in person um, at that, uh, at those levels is really important. Um, And I, and I do, and I don't think that enough uh, families take the time to go out and go watch some college baseball uh, in person. Um, And of course you can get it online uh, as well, but in in person is a different animal to see the physical stature of those college players to see what the, you know, what the ball looks like off the bat, what the pitcher looks like, the sharpness of the pitches. Um, so that's a huge point. And um, to the Dick Vitale of college baseball, <laughs> to the Rudy of Notre Dame baseball, um, you know, to the most handsome shaved head dude uh, in <laughs> In college the baseball. Of college baseball. Exactly. You're, uh, to your wife's uh, dream maker. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you, man, for, uh, for being part of this. Um, oh, loved it. Super fun. Absolutely. And um, if you guys had any questions, DM us. Um, we, we, there were a few that I didn't get to. Uh, if you're players and you got video, you want us to evaluate, DM us. Um, we'll take a look at video and stats. And uh, thank everybody. Thank you for your guys' time tonight. And um, enjoy the rest of your Wednesday evening. And uh, this will be available on recorded as well. So if you wanted someone else to listen to it, you can just literally share it because we recorded this. Um, Whether that's a teammate, a spouse, um, another coach, um, spread the love. And uh, have a great rest of your night. Thanks again, Runes. Take care, buddy. See you, Andrew. Thanks, man. You got it. Thanks for being part of the Realities of College Recruiting podcast and our partner, Five Tool Baseball. 
You can easily subscribe on iTunes and check us out online at Sports Force Baseball for every past episode of our podcast. If you want to ask questions, share insights, and recommend future guests, hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at SportsForceBB and Facebook under SportsForce Baseball. Be sure to join us on our next episode of the Realities of College Recruiting podcast. And remember, your college decision isn't a four-year one, it's a 40-year one.